It's time for the Video Marketing Value Podcast. My name is Dane Golden from the Video Marketing Business Academy, and I'm here with my good friend, Gwen Miller from Hearst. Welcome, Gwen. Dane, as always, thank you for having me. Oh, it's so awesome. We're finally doing it again after a couple weeks off for the summer. Uh, Listen, Gwen, we were talking about this, and there are some great types of software that go with your YouTube channel add-ons to the normal YouTube studio Mm -hmm. and the mobile app that YouTube creates that you can buy. And I'm a subscriber to several of them. And you've used some different ones that I've used more uh, industry ones. I thought we'd talk about each one of them and talk about why people use them and what for, right? Yeah. And and, and the trade-offs, right? You know, uh, I also think uh, while there are many tools that are really useful, right? I think we can often get in our heads and be like, we need all the tools. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's good to know what they can do for you and what they're really not going to do for you and where you can kind of make those trade-off decisions of what's going to work better for you and your setup. Right. So we know a lot about, I mean, what you hear about a lot is you hear about the ones that Regular YouTube, I'm going to say regular YouTubers use people that are not running an entire business of of multiple channels. Generally, you hear in order TubeBuddy, then VidIQ, Mm -hmm. then even like something like Morning Fame. Would you? Would that be correct? Would you say that is generally what we hear? Those are the most most common for YouTubers, and then you might even have you know non-paid options like social blade right that is also an option yeah and and uh social blade is great for seeing sort of macro trends on channels that aren't yours but Mm -hmm. what about what are some other ones i i mean look you can you can get into the uh you know the kind of the usually the industrial like social media complex which is where i spend a lot of my time and and you might start to encounter things like listen first or tubular or a a lot of these different social like listening apps that are really designed for you know to see the trends across the entire space and that may not be where you are as a creator but you might be at the point where you're like i really need to know more competitive stuff or my empire has grown so big i need extra ways to track it you might be going out for you know the 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 management tools there's like the uh the linda dot the monday.coms of the world or the air table of the world you may need help organizing your media empire like there are so many tools to make your job easier and as we get further into the life cycle of youtube and online video, there's a lot more tools that are designed specifically around, like, what do I do to keep my very specific video, digital video empire together and running. And there's other tools like Rev.com that you can have them transcribe it and it uploads directly in. You have a handshake right into your YouTube channel and they bring it right in. You don't have to do anything other than just say, upload it to my channel, which is really nice. And you mean caption specifically, right? What did I say? You just said it. So oh, it. Uh... <laughs> yes, that's right. It, you know, who doesn't want it? <laughs> and then one, the, one of the ones that I've just started using personally, I don't use this for business, but for my personal stuff, I've started using notion. 
which oh you have yeah which I have found very I've started to find very useful I'm still that does YouTube I'm still experimenting it's Notion is really more of a it's like Evernote on steroids it's like if mm -hmm. Evernote met a task management software. So it's okay. kind of an all-in-one, and uh, it can. And what's nice about it is uh, there you can essentially customize it. They already have some templates that are designed for essentially like social media posting. So I yeah. use that well for YouTube, and people can make their own custom uh, templates. So there's a lot of like Thomas Frank has a really great template that uh, that. I think you can get through one of his courses. I know him through something, so he gave it to me for free. But it literally is just his full system to how he tracks uh, his project management for his videos. And you can just use the template. And, and that's really helpful as well. Just uh, plugging in my Ethernet here, I realized it wasn't plugged in. And I always like to do that. So if you ever want to do uh, YouTube better, you should do... Your Ethernet, because just a little bit of help sometimes better, if you're yeah. streaming something else uh, elsewhere in your building always helps. But I want to talk. I want to take a step back, Gwen. Take a step mm -hmm. back and talk about what happens if you do the um, brand channel versus not the brand channel. Oh. This is where we need Shelly, right? <laughs> well, I've spent a I've spent a bit of time. I wrote an entire tutorial on it, and 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 he, let's then let's we just need you. Let's let's just let me just tell you why. You know why, but let me just tell the listener why this is so weird. What happened was YouTube started a long, long time ago. A, then they tried to match up with another tool that they had which was called Google Plus B and they tried Ooh. I know you're already yawning and this is this is your business and you're already yawning. long story short I just Google Plus oh my god Yeah I know it, it, and because each step of this is an oh my god and then they said you know we need to find a way to make it easier if you're not a one person business to manage a YouTube channel which any good YouTube channel is going to have multiple people working on it Mhm mm they had this thing called a brand channel. It doesn't have to be just for brands. Anyone can do it. It basically is a way of sharing. But it, it's convoluted because it's an old code base that you have to do some certain things and jump through some hoops. And it's easy. It's frankly easy to screw some things up if you do it wrong. So you never want to do this, start this project at the end of the day, as I've done sometimes. <laughs> You always want to start this as the, you know, you've just gotten to the office. You've just gotten your cup of coffee. But we do recommend doing a brand channel and switching your channel over a brand to a brand channel and being very, very meticulous in how you do this. And why do we want you to do this? It's because almost all of these tools only hook to your channel if you have a brand account. You can't, it doesn't handshake. There's, there's other ways of doing permissions on your channel. And they've, they've made some very nice and handy ways of doing it. Except if you want to use any add-on tools. Anything that uses the API. TubeBuddy, Rev, and all these other things you need to use a brand channel. So as early as you can, make the jump to a brand channel but be very, very, very meticulous in, in how you're doing it. Um, 
So let's start with the one. What do you use most that is not part of the YouTube uh, empire? What's, what do you use most every day? Okay, so we'll talk about a tool that is aspirational for most people, unless uh-huh. you know someone with an in, yeah. which is tubular. Yeah. So tubular. What is tubular? So tubular, you know, look, there is a lot of measurement software out there that can, uh, you know, supplement your YouTube analytics, but just for your channel. This costs so thousands like, and thousands of dollars. This is I not mean, for, not just thousands. We're talking upward six figures. Yes. Like, this is, this a is very, very expensive. And here's the reason why it can be that expensive. Not that I like it being that expensive. Huh. There is a lot of other companies in the anal- analytics space, but they really are you authenticate in your channel and you get to see a- additional th- things that they do with your data from your channels, right? Mm-hmm. Which is great. Something that I don't use a lot because I can kind of do a lot of the- that stuff myself. So it's less interesting to me. The reason I like Tubular is it's one of the few places that gives you a competitive look at your competitors. Remember, YouTube only has certain amount of public data out there, right? So you only can see a certain amount of stuff about your competitors if you're just kind of stalking them on YouTube. Plus, you you don't really have a good way to kind of ingest all that information from a large swath of your competitive set and be able to really clearly compare them to your channel. That's what Tubular does. That's the magic of Tubular. In addition, they have a lot of extra things where they do panel data, which, you know my opinion of panel data, but it's better than nothing to be able to see things like competitive demographics. I'm sorry, what's panel data? So panel data is like YouTube is kind of a revolutionary thing, right? Where we can see every single person who touches our content, right? So it is, you know, if you have 100 viewers, you're seeing data from 100 people. Panel data is how data has been done any earlier than the past 20 years where you take a sample, right? You take a survey, essentially. And you use that select sample and then extrapolate out to the larger group. So a tubular runs essentially their own very large panel. So from that, they can track these people around the web and see what types of channels they're visiting and start making these inferences on overall audience based off the panel. I find that it's, it's directional. It's not perfect if you compare it to your own analytics, but it'll get you in the general direction of each each channel's audience. They'll do the. It, it can also help with like you know they'll do the same thing for like you know where's you know just like what else is your audience watching, which is very interesting when you're seeing your competitive set. You can start to go down these rabbit holes, Dane. So of like. I, I, this channel, what else is that channel watching? And you can start to get a really powerful competitive picture. So sort of in the same way, these national surveys, when they're trying to find out who's going to win the presidency, they only call 1,500 people. But if they call the right 1,500 right. people, they can extrapolate out an entire election, right. more or less. And some, it's not always right. But, and but this it's, is slightly better in the fact that they're not asking questions questions they are tracking them so it's very easy this is something we we saw when nielsen switched over from the olden days when they had literally people write down Mm self-report versus having a little electronic box on the tv that tracks right it's you know people sometimes lie when you ask them (laughs) i i think i have a good uh shortcut for saying what tubular is 
it's it's like being in God mode, right? Mm-hmm. You just know everything that's going on. So for a company like Hearst, it's really great to see many, many channels at once. But for your average person, is it worth tens of thousands of dollars a year? It might not be what you need. No, and I would I would probably suggest that, you know, if you do want to get that level of competitive insights, hire a consultant who has access to Tubular and is an expert oh. at this. And maybe once a year, just get, get them to, like, fill you in. Like, you don't need competitive research every single week, right? Like, but every once in a while, it's a good thing to check in on the space you're in, how certain things are trending, performing. Uh, but do you need to spend six figures on that for a, as an so, individual creator? So amazing tool. Um, I was in an early, early version of it that's nowhere near what it is today. But I would love to peek at it sometime. Hey, Tubular, if you're listening. Give me a call. I want to. I want to peek in just for the heck of it. Now, um, now, Tubular, if you're li- listening, shut your ears. I, <gasps> am, I am a hundred percent a believer right now, and I'm in this process right now. Is like I every couple years I review the competition. Like there Uh-oh. used to be, a, there's a company called Open Slate that did things similar to Tubular in the past. They seem to have pivoted. I have a request into them. It just there needs to be competition. For tubular, there's a lot of competition for just, hey, we're going to ingest your data and do stuff with it, which I'm like, not interesting to me. But like, there's no, this is such amazing data that would be great to get the hand into the hands of the average consumer, but you can't because you have a single company who's monopolizing monopolizing this space, so they can charge these outrageous sums of money that are like out of reach except for the top, you know, Fortune 500 companies, and that is unfortunate because it is powerful data that I think more creators could use. And uh, let's start talk- this company, somebody out there. Hmm. Start this company. Start a competitor to Tubular. <laughs> uh, so n- now that we're in this macro super uh, of super expensive tools, let's talk about like just a couple of others, like Paladin. Tell me about Ooh. that tool. So Paladin um, is something that I would say is expensive, but if you have to pay out a lot of different stakeholders is worth every penny. So essentially what Paladin does is it can pay out. So it was originally created for like the MCNs, right? Where an MCN might have 500 more creator or more creators who they had to pay out every single month. Paladin hooks in and automatically will calculate what you need to pay everybody. And it's kind of a payment system. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing because you imagine if you had to do that by hand, that's where mistakes start to happen. Mm -hmm. So, it's one of those tools that at the end of the day, depending on your scale, is very much worthwhile just because it's going to save you a lot of heartache down the line. All right. And uh, let's talk about some of the more prosumer uh, types of things that your average person could actually mm-hmm. offend, uh, afford your average channel. And let's Let's uh, let's start with vidIQ because I use uh, I'll tell you what I use their tool a lot for um, I use the ten dollar version and I just love doing the keyword search on there not because I want to rank first for a keyword search ranking for keywords is not the way to true success right. on YouTube but what I love doing is just sort of seeing how many searches that they think are estimating are coming out on YouTube per month for a general phrase and related phrases. Now you can do this a lot with general SEO, but actually people look and want different things from YouTube 
than they do from blogs. They want they 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 use them in different ways, don't they, Gwen? Uh, yeah, I, I would say that. So, I I, I just love using VidIQ for that uh, tool. Uh, that that tool alone is just so essential for me. I use it. Uh, for many, many clients and different different types of channels, it just really is great. Uh, absolutely. Like we do a lot of, we use uh, vidIQ quite a lot for that same type of theory, not so much for actual optimization, quote unquote, unlike right. putting in tags, but for like topic research. How are things? And then we'll use it in conjunction with Google Trends to see like, okay, what is kind of the general interest in this topic and it, how was that trending, right? And so for us, a lot of time that's celebrities, right? Like, you know, how relevant is that celebrity right now if we don't have a lot of in-depth <laughs> data, say, from our first portfolio or for competitors? I have to say that finding if people are relevant is a really funny thing, but okay. But let's let's talk about the tool that you, that you skipped over for the moment. I, I want to say that I am very relevant. You're very relevant. We're all relevant. Yeah, um, will you get me enough enough views on a video, Dane, to justify the uh, a crew? That's well, the question. I've never been on. I've never been on a hearse video before, and if I was, you know, I would make it worthwhile for you. Oh, totally. So, uh, let's. You skipped over though this great tool you talked about called Google Trends, which you know, still yeah. a lot of people don't know about it. And I'll give my summary of it, and then you tell me yours. My summary is that it gives a ratio. It compares multiple terms in comparison to each other. It doesn't tell you how many people are actually searching in absolute numbers for things, but it's this versus that. Who's doing better? Who's doing worse? How does it change over time? And what I love to do is I always toggle between the web search and the YouTube search because people look on YouTube differently yeah. than they do for things on the web. How do you yeah. use it? Dane, here's my problem with Google Trends, and maybe I'm wrong about this, right? So uh, I usually only use Google Trends to look at a single search topic, and, and here's why. Because how Google Trends measures things is essentially, so I'm going to search for Dane Golden. And to your, to your point, that graph is not showing absolute numbers of how popular Dane Golden actually mm -hmm. is. It's just setting the most popular that Dane Golden has ever been. Right. That gets set as 100. So, and everything kind of cascades down from there. So it's all comparing you to when you were the mo your most popular. Mm -hmm. So it can kind of show you the directionality of, say, someone's career or topics like like comparative pop uh, popularity, yes. but it, it's a little bit distorted, right? Because maybe your uh, range is zero to 5,000. So 5,000 is your 100. Well, that's going to look like a lot different graph than like maybe you peaked at 5 million at some point. That's a different graph. I disagree. And what I, and what I, what I don't know is when you compare two things, I think it's not normalizing that 100 between the two. It's still my 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 uh, 100 was 5,000. Your 100 was 100 million. That graph is still going to show like them. I'll tell you the why I disagree. 100. I'll tell you why I disagree. Because you can use other tools, like you said, you use vidIQ with trends.google.com, so you can take the. YouTube searches, and you combine that with vidIQ and assume, you know, assume that they they have some 
relevance in their data. And you say, well, if there's 10,000 searches this month, then I can say, I can extrapolate and I can say, well, they're saying this one does twice as well. You know, Gwen Miller gets twice as many searches as Dane Golden's 10,000. Thus, Gwen Miller gets 20,000. I think you can extrapolate that and you could use an SEO tool like SEMrush or some other Moz or whatever. That's very complicated. Uh, because what? essentially what you'd have to do is you'd have to be like, okay, I'm 5,000, you're 100 million. So our, we could be both at 100 right now, but my 100 is 5,000, yours 100 million. You literally would have to go back and forth between that and vidIQ and do the math to figure that out. Because <laughs> when you look at that, you'd be like, oh, just, they're equal right now, but they're not. <laughs> you put them in, to, in the same, you put them in the same graph and compare them. Yeah, but the, I'm pretty sure that 100 still is benchmarked off me and your 100 is benchmarked off you, not benchmarked off us together. Am I okay. wrong? I, I just think it's making a ratio. <laughs> but but I would, you know, I would, that's what I would like. I would like to put them both on the same graph and be like, now you're going to tell me that, that Dane is... A hundred gazillion times better than me. Great, but is it? I'm just not sure. Is it showing that? We need to find a Google employee and ask. Uh, okay, well, let's find that. If you if you are listening to this and you've designed the trends.google.com page, we'd like to speak with you. So email uh, hello at vidyup.tv. Let me know. So um, let's talk about some other tools. TubeBuddy is great, and I'll tell you. You know, we have links to some of these in our description. I'm an affiliate of some of them. And uh, one of the things I love about the legend, which is I think it's like $50 a month from TubeBuddy or thereabouts, um, is the comparing thumbnails. And you never want to compare thumbnails on day one. You never want to A-B test on day one. You always want to wait a couple of weeks until the traffic is sort of leveled out. And then you do your test. You could also do a titles test, but you don't want to do a titles test and a thumbnails test at the same time. And why are you testing if all of your traffic is mostly leveled out after this time? You're testing because you want to know your best practices. You actually want to know what kinds of thumbnails mm -hmm. do better than each other. Uh, do you like that thumbnail test or do you pay? I don't use... The TubeBuddy thumbnail test, I do, I use AdWords to do A-B testing with, yeah, like 20 bucks put behind every test. And to your point, we don't do it to like make decisions on like a current, like this new video is going up. Let's, I mean, I would love it if we were enough ahead to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. We're not. So mostly what we're doing is theory, right? You know, like if for this format, if we have this color, this color, or if we have more text here and less text there, or if we, you know, if we're doing titles, if we have this kind of phrasing in our title, does it help? So it's more theory testing for us, um, but we tend to use AdWords for that. What I'm okay. really excited uh, about... Which which is, AdWords do you use? Which tool within AdWords? The one where the thumbnails, um, the static thumbnails get compared? Is that the one you use? So, yeah. So it, it's called in-feed video ads. So those are the ones that show up as just thumbnails and the suggested videos. Yes. Uh, you don't want to use pre-roll ads. Like, right. Like those don't have thumbnails. So uh, that would be a dumb place to test thumbnails, right? Um, so but, I'm sorry. Yeah. So in-feed is when you have a static image that appears within the feed. And I use those for other purposes, not for thumbnail mm -hmm. testing. Right. But 
Do you do that when the video is live, when it's unlisted? How do you do that? So if you're doing it before the video is released, you can do it when it's unlisted. But we're mostly going back like you do and testing old videos. For, uh -huh. And then we'll just do it on videos that are already live. I see. So you put $20 behind a particular um, AB. Or yeah, do you do so multi-test, multi multi-vary? So we might have, we, you know, look, and we want to do it on more than one video, right? So there's going to be an A and a B, but on four to eight videos. So, uh, you know, it can get out, it, you know, we can be spending a couple hundred dollars on each test, which is mm -hmm. why we're really t testing these big theories mm -hmm. more than we're like being like, we're going to throw a, a couple hundred dollars between a single act, a single video decided thumbnail, probably not worth it. But when we're looking at these theory things, it's, it can be a very useful spend of money. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then do you run them, uh, and I don't know if you do this yourself, but do you run them as separate campaigns? So you have $10 dedicated to this one, or do you let the algorithm just sort of immediately decide? No, it gets too muddy that way. Like we need to make sure we're spending the same amount of money on each test. <laughs> That's what I thought you would do. Uh, cause yeah, we went back and forth on that for a long time and just found that there's just too many variables on why YouTube is deciding where they're putting those money, that money that it, it, it's, it, you really need to make so you decide. campaigns. Yeah. So I, we decide, decide. And it's going to be $20 each so that they're kind of on equal footing and they're running for the exact same period of time, which is why we're using AdWords to do it. Um, so that we can eliminate the thing of, well, you know, it, Mondays are just better than Tuesdays for or whatever, you know. And TubeBuddy, TubeBuddy does a lot of other things too, just a whole host of, you know, each feature on YouTube, they sort of have something to make a feature do an extra thing, which is really, really fun. Do you have any particular features of TubeBuddy that you get a kick out of? You know, you're probably more of an expert on TubeBuddy than I mm -hmm. am. I've done a little poking around it, but I we don't, we actually use vidIQ. <laughs> More often uh -huh. than we used to, too, buddy. And, and it's a great tool. I love VidIQ. So I would love to hear on your perspective where TubeBuddy has some unique features. Well, that's that's the feature that I just love, love, love. It's also great at bulk updating um, yes. different things in the description, different things in playlists. Um, it's uh, good at tracking in your comparison of you know audience retention. I think it's called the retention analyzer. Yep. Uh, so it does just a lot of things and there's different tiers of the service. And of course you can also, you know, study your keywords and weighted keywords and so forth. But again, you don't want to try to rank for keywords the same way you do in SEO. It's really about understanding what topics are popular. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so let's talk about morning fame. Do you ever use morning fame? Have you ever used it? I have never used morning fame. Okay. So morning fame is a tool that, um, I just think is just a it's it's uh, run by one guy and he just really tricks out a number of things and one of the things that I love is that he breaks it out in terms of what can you do well for if you're a small channel versus a big channel and that he has a lot of weightings and rankings so um, if you get a lot of better letters just are similar to what you might get in a, in school like A's and B's that you're going to have better chances with a particular video based on the metadata and so forth and topics. If you have, he has an E, I think not an F or has an E and an F, but anyway, it goes all the way to F and 
those are going to you're not going to have a lot of a lot of chance um, with these types of topics and and metadata and subjects. So that's what I really love about that is it you can say okay based on my channel because it's hooked to a single channel, and I wish they had sort of like a multi-channel mode, but they don't as far as I know currently still. But it's really great at saying, you know what, my channel is, you know, it's not that big. And most channels are not big. We talk about channels that are big, but most channels are the small ones. That's how they get to be big, but not everyone gets to be huge. So it's good to know how small channels do. And so that's a lovely tool. Um, do you use any transcription tools? We use Rev. You do use to, Rev. To do our... Uh, our, our um, you know, uh, you know, transcriptions, look, yeah. transcription, I would say like personally, I don't use rev when I do videos and that's yeah. mainly cause I do everything off a of script. If you <laughs> have a script, YouTube's, um, uh, matching tool is pretty strong <laughs> where you can just essentially input the script and it will then make the SRT file for you and match it up really, really amazingly. So that would be the one time I'd say it's maybe not worth doing rev, but if you don't have a script, it's purely ad lib, like rev.com is going to save you so much time. And it's not that expensive. Isn't it like a dollar a minute or something? The prices have gone up. I think oh, it's a dollar twenty five or a dollar fifty per minute, but it is I would say it is ninety nine plus percent accurate, whereas the trans automated transcriptions, I would say they're getting in the eighties now, maybe. Yeah. Um but, it, it, but if you use YouTube's automated version, uh, like, yeah, you definitely have to recheck it. But if you're doing the thing where you just give YouTube your script and it matches it, yeah. then it should be exactly right. Unless you tend to misspell things and then that's on you. <laughs> um, yeah. So Rev, I love Rev for a number of reasons. It makes it, they make it very easy for you to fix things. Um, and... And they just have super fast turnaround. And one of the things I like best is that it just goes right. It just go, uploads directly to your chant, your video. You don't have to download and upload. It just hooks right in. And that is a surprisingly comforting benefit. Um, so... So when you you said the word SRT, and I just want to make sure people know what that is. So an SRT is essentially a closed caption file. It's different than mm -hmm. a text file in that it has timing in it. And yes. that's what you, the YouTube timing tool is actually great. And if you just want a quick summary of something, you can upload a video as unlisted, get it transcribed for free by their automation tool and download it. And then uh, you've got to... I've done that in the past where I've essentially used them to sync an SRT file that I can use on, like, say, Facebook. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, Facebook, okay, just so you know, though, Facebook, for whatever reason, you have to end the um, names of the SRT files. With, there's a special naming convention. Correct. It's not dot .srt. It's like en underscore SRT for mm -hmm. Yeah, we're not the hard way, Googling it. <laughs> yeah, so it's just it's just really a naming system, but it it's definitely a usable, helpful tool that you know it's totally legit to do that. There's nothing wrong with doing that. Uh, it's just not going to be as exact, but there is within YouTube a way of correcting 
the transcript that is that is quite good. Now I've <laughs> okay, so here's what I've been doing with my transcripts lately. I've actually been using Rev not as much because as you know, I have just become a huge fan of the Descript platform. Yeah, you have, which I don't know a lot about, so I'd love to hear more on, about that. Okay. So Descript um for for those who don't know, it is, it's a continually evolving platform that started as a podcast editing platform and now is a video editing platform, and they're continuing to release a lot of features. And what I love about it, because I'm a word person, I'm a visual person, I'm an auditory person, but I'm, most of everything, I'm a word person. And a lot of people in business, like me, think in terms of words and phrases and marketing, you know? Before it becomes anything, it's a script, right? And the great thing about uh, the script is you can edit based on words. No matter what you upload, it turns it into a transcript. It's not always right, but it's pretty darn right. And then you can just say, oh, you know what? I repeated myself. I'm just going to take that out and whoosh, it takes it out of the transcript and the video at the same time. Now, here's my question on that, because I yeah. am anally retentive yeah. about spacing between, like, words, like, words correct? Okay. And between sentences, mainly. Like, is it okay. leaving? How tight is it cutting? Is it leaving a, a period before you start talking or you just... Okay, so, so the answer, you won't be satisfied with the answer, but in a way you will. So there's there's... The next step after you've removed the part of words that you don't want is adjusting the timing between the okay. The but it you allows said. you to do that pretty like you can still do your what I would call my trim mode in Premiere, where I can go in and literally frame by frame like adjust the spacing. Oh yeah, you can. I mean, you can take as much time as you want. It is a there's a this this. The, you have to roll over the the slice tool, and for some reason that's just sort of bugs me. But but that's not the biggest problem. The biggest problem is so now you have this sort of gap. You have a you might have waited on camera and not said anything, and now you have this minute long gap. It doesn't show up necessarily easily in the transcript. In the, in the transcript, yeah. you just have to look and say, okay, where are the gaps? And then you're like, okay, I'll remove the gaps now. You have essentially, because you've removed some words, right? Mm -hmm. Now you have to remove the space in between the part that you removed, right? Because yeah. now it's got two clips, essentially. Correct. It's made it in two clips. But the great part is you can, within just a second, remove the extra space. And now, wait, wait, I just want to tell okay, you one okay. other tool. Now, it has another option, which I don't think they've got down quite yet, but it's a it's remove extra spaces between words. Mm. So I edit some videos for my mom's uh, business. And uh, as you know, I've been training her to be a YouTuber, which is a lot of fun. But she has spaces between her words. <laughs> so, ah. so, and that can be very, very annoying for YouTube. And, and I just, I encourage her, you know, we keep working on her speaking in one sentence at a time right. instead of thinking while you're in sentence, which is, I think it's just a genetic for my family. We think in the middle of a sentence sometimes, but, but um, when this, this tool does that, it will remove the spaces. 
But sometimes it actually chops off and you sort of have to spool out. Oh, it chopped off a middle of a word. You have to spool it back out. Mm -hmm. um, there's another standalone tool, which is great, called ReCut. You may have heard of this. Oh, you've got to use ReCut just, just to see how it works. So you take this whole big thing and all it does is take away the spaces. And then you can export it to wherever, ScreenFlow or, or Premiere or whatever. But this oh, nice. tool, the script has it built in, but it's not as good as ReCuts yet. Ah, and is this like a, like a website or is, is this like downloaded to your actual computer? Okay, so the, answer, so the answer is I'm not sure because it seems to be one of those tools that's both a desktop app and a cloud app at the same time. Which makes it great for people like me who edit on a, you know, MacBook Pro. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of stuff that's being done in the cloud, but I think a lot of stuff on your hard drive as well. So it's, I think it's actually a hybrid. Uh, but the actual, like, you know, because I have a problem with, like, online editing, like, software, just because the website itself, like, if you've ever used, like, YouTube's editor, it's just not very, it's hard to get, like, the exact frame, right? I found this to be very, very good, at least with my 2000, I guess, 19 um, MacBook Pro. Okay. I found it very, I mean, I just, it makes it, you know, I really have not had fun with video editing until now. I do have a complaint about this tool and that they have a main track and then everything else is sort of like an additional, you know, second tier track. Uh, yeah, I hate but, that. But I think that they're updating it um, very, very soon to change that. But um, it makes it difficult to sort of sync tracks and so forth. Uh, that, that part and, and the... Um, just sort of the animation um, just right now is sort of atrocious, but, but it looks like some of these things are improving. I'll tell you one of the other things that it does really, really well, and, it, and you have to really sort of change your mind about video editing to use this tool, but um, one of the things it'll change, it, you sort of manage your sources differently than you would. So you can go back and manage the, the group source and change the volume and sound quality, and then it'll spit it out through all the other variations of the edits that you're doing, which is really helpful. Um, and then the exporting, it really is good at sort of um, dummy proofing the exporting of a lot of things. So it, uh, I think that a lot of people get audio exporting wrong for YouTube, and this doesn't. Ah, nice. So they, they've got a way to go, but but I'm just spending so much time in it because I love, I just, I, I think they've made it for me, you know? Yeah, yeah, it does. If your brain thinks that way, that's a brilliant way to be able to, like, see it just laid out for you story-wise. Now, yeah. there's some other tools there's some other tools for um, YouTube, like the one we're using. We're not live streaming this podcast anymore, or at least for the time being, but we are recording it via Restream, which, which hooks really nicely. I have no complaints about Restream. It's really just I have not found it really helpful for my channel to live stream. But for people who are live streaming and, and have that audience, I think this is a great tool. 
Um, hooks right in, has no problems whatsoever with the live streaming. Well, there's the only problem is that there's a little bit of delay, and that's just common with live streaming, is that you just don't know that exact second where it is launched. That's of like a you know fifteen hundred features. That's really the only problem. Yeah, which may not be something within their control to solve. How do you guys and your big, 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 big company, how do you manage storage of files? Ah, yes. Or is so, it a secret? Uh, you, you, the thing is, when you get to a, a company the size of Hearst, we have a product team that built us something, which I actually think can sometimes be a disadvantage, right? You know, uh, you you can't beat having like for those of all you who like store all your stuff on YouTube. It's great. Google's like the best IT company out there. Whereas when you're talking an internal internal product team, things can get a little bit bucket. But yes, we have bought we have built an internal CMS system where all our content is stored and therefore can be accessed for any team on Hearst to say like, hey, we call it we call it Patty is the internal name Patty. Patty. And, so it goes into Patty and then say someone from one of the magazines wants to embed the video in one of their articles. They have access to all the stuff right there. Rev. What's interesting for us is like Rev.com doesn't hook up to our YouTube. It hooks up to Patty. So essentially it will it, – the video goes out. When we put the video into Patty, it will automatically send it to Rev. Rev will do their thing and then the SRT file will show up in Patty so everybody for every platform can grab it. Which is which is very very nice. Um, so yeah, there's some advantages to having custom stuff built, but if, for those companies who are smaller, you know, there's so much stuff out there that's uh, out of the box that in, in some ways is better. Well, I'll tell you what we use now. A lot of people will use Google Drive. I'm just going to store all of my videos on Google Drive, and we're going to share it that way. I don't do that, and I'll tell you why is because I really think that uh, Dropbox's method of check-in, um, in early early code, they used to call it check-in, check-out. I don't even know if coders call it that, that anymore. But basically, that. You, you can have it on your drive, and, and then it's not on your drive. It, it looks a lot like a, ser a shared server, essentially. It's the $20 a month version. Yeah, we, this Synced the where you sync it, but you can you can select as some things aren't synced with your desktop, basically with your computer, essentially. Yeah, and I don't know how it works if you have multiple people editing, but we don't usually have that problem. Uh, and then there's a lot of other tools like Descript where you can have multi. One of the other things about it is you can have multiple people working on it at the same time and without create, yeah. creating any problems, which is pretty unique. Yeah. Um, so we, we like to use that, but there's a lot of other things. Now, what do you guys use to make your thumbnails? People. Humans. <laughs> Human what do they powered. use? What do they uh, use? Photoshop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're, 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 we're using Photoshop. Like, we are, we are uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit of an Adobe-addicted company. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I use, I use Photoshop, too. And... Then you got to do project management. So mm -hmm. do you guys do, do you have a proprietary thing? So no, but we, no, we use something called Airtable. I've also uh -huh. used like monday.com in the past is also very good. Um, but yeah, I, it's just, you just need something when you're, you know, like if you're doing one channel, maybe you can manage that just by like, 
you know, yeah. tape and post-it notes, yeah, you right? Can. You know, yeah. but once you start to get multiple channels, like when you think of every video that goes out, how many assets have to be created around that single video, right? You got the thumbnail, you have like caption files, right? You have, you have like, you know, what's the Instagram cut? Not, and then the Instagram cut, what's the reels cut? What's the feed cut? What's the stories cut? What's, you know, and then what's the Facebook cut? What are we putting on Twitter? You know, like, so there's just so much information and, you know, like some videos get a Twitter cut, some videos do not. Like, you just have to manage that somewhere to make sure everyone's on yes. the same page. We have notes in there like this this talent's project goes out in these two weeks of October and needs to air in these two weeks of October. So everyone is kept synced up. Who's the editor on this? Who's the producer on this? Who do I go to for this? Who's the channel manager? It just allows a large company to seamlessly manage large projects together yeah and you just sort of live in there and there's a lot of different content management systems <clears throat> you know different people can use different things we've used asana we use ClickUp, we use mm -hmm. trello depending on what company and yep. some companies we've worked with they said you know what we're going to use even tech companies they said we just have this really great spreadsheet and it's a five-person team and that's enough correct like either there's a certain point where Google Docs will break you, which is just volume. They will like, break you. If you get to a certain size of spreadsheet, and this has happened to me at companies, it just will it will literally break because you have so much information in there. And if you have like 20 people in there at the same time, like the whole thing just freezes and you can't get it back for like eight hours. But if you have a small team, like that is unlikely to be a problem for you. So there is a lot you can mock up yourself using Google's free tools. Do you use a collab editing tool, meaning somebody's editing and you make a comment in the editing process? Yes, we do. Now, I don't even remember. Uh, <clears throat> I'll tell you I, what I'm, we use. I'm used to using Frame.io. We have a different one at Hearst now, but I don't actually remember what it's called. But it's, So it Dropbox has its own version. Uh, yeah, they have a version as well. Is that one the one you use? We've been using that a lot lately because I'm already paying for it. Um, yeah. if, if you prefer Vimeo has a good one built yeah. right into their pro version, there's frame.io, which is now part of Adobe mm -hmm. and there's Whipster, which is another great tool. And they, um, they're really good for evaluating all different types of media, you know, from podcasts to images and a lot of other stuff. Whipster. Oh, interesting. Um, uh, who have had business right here in Portland, Oregon, where I am, but uh, originally from New Zealand. Well, I would say, yeah, that, that is, uh, I think, one of the biggest game changers in the kind of the entertainment industry is to be able to do frame-specific notes. And some of these programs like Frame.io will actually then allow the editor to pull it into the timeline. And so they can literally just scrub through the timeline and find the points where there are notes and fix it right there, which is kind of brilliant. Editors yeah. love it because nothing's worse than an editor than the traditional Hollywood setup, which is a producer sitting over your shoulder going, hmm. Right. You know, that uh, editors hate that. So to be able for them to, you know, sit in their own dark little room by themselves and then um, and then just send a cut to a producer and at the producer's leisure, they can put notes in it. It's just so great for everyone involved. Yeah. And if you even if you you're you're just a small channel and you've hired a third party editor, save yourself some heartache 
and get one of these tools so that you can say, okay, here's how we're going to do it. We're going to have two edits of each video and it's going to, I'm sorry, I keep having a sore throat. <clears throat> oh no. <laughs> and, and we're going to, we're going to do all these edits. Don't do it via email or whatever. It's just a nightmare and you never get what you really want. And so you're just, giving these big notes where you're like, that point when he says this, and then the poor editor's scrubbing through eight minutes of video trying to remember where this person said that. Like, you're going to save money, let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. And in this global world we live in, a lot of people are have, may not be first um, um, first English language. First English language, is a yeah, first, language. first language. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it can... It can really exacerbate the problem and uh, leaves nobody happy. So try using one of these collab tools for video yeah. editing, or it's not really a collab for video editing. It's collab review on yeah, video editing. Because when you said that, I thought you were going to talk about, and which I have not used before, but I'm super curious about, is there are programs now that will essentially let you treat your like your uh, editing files, like you were mentioning for the program you love, as essentially a Google Doc, right? Oh. Where every, people can work on the same file at the same time and it automatically syncs, which is crazy to me. Yeah, they're a little bit more cloud-based, and I don't know because I'm not a Premiere person. I don't. I think Premiere enables something like that now, but uh, I'm not really sure. Yeah. But you know, I think that the biggest <clears throat> problem with tools like Frame.io actually being even bigger is that there's no real industry term that everyone knows to describe what that tool is. Right. It's not an editor. It's not a reviewer. There's like no. It's it's a collaborator. What? But it's what is that? It's a notes a tool, like a producer notes tool. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to describe unless you just literally walk through. This is what you do with it. <laughs> Time code notes editor. <laughs> Which now that's that'll really sell. <laughs> and don't hire me for your marketing department. Frame my out. <laughs> So, so Gwen Miller, we've come to the end of our time. How can people find out more about you and your amazing new YouTube channel? Oh, yes, which I am currently working on. I'm working on getting this background to be a little bit more appealing for my YouTube channel. So as we do live, I may be experimenting with different lighting backgrounds and Ooh. stuff like that. So stay tuned. But yes, I do have a new YouTube channel. Uh, just search for my name, Gwen Miller. Uh, it's all about uh, YouTube analytics and how to track them. Really super sexy, interesting stuff this to uh, me. That, I, that I love. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter under Gwen I am, or you can just really search for Gwen Miller and I'll pop up. And I am on LinkedIn as Gwen Miller as well. Follow me. And my name's Dane Golden from the Video Marketing Business Academy. You can find this podcast, subscribe, like it, review it at videomarketingvalue.com. And check out my VidiUp YouTube channel, V-I-D-I-U-P. And I recently put uh, two channels head-to-head -to, -head to compare them in sort of a new format I'm experimenting with. I put Zoom against GoTo.com to see how their YouTube channels did. And we had a lot of fun and kept score. Um, and until next week, here's to helping you help your customers through video.